Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. People are going through really terrible, terrible things. Um, but I want people to have the hope that no matter what you've been through, you can get through it. You can get to a place where you are happy and free. If you find that porn is stealing your time, draining your energy, ruining relationships, and robbing you of your power, it's time to take your power back. Eric Zuzak tried 12-step programs and felt powerless when they didn't work. He then discovered the power of mindfulness in combating addictions. Porn Talk is about reclaiming your power to end your porn addiction. It's how Eric transformed from powerless Eric to powerful Eric. Ready to break your porn addiction? Learn from Eric, the powerful Eric. Here's your host, Eric Zuzak. Welcome back to Porn Talk. This is Powerful Eric. I'm with Rebecca Baines. She's a satanic sexual ritual abuse survivor. She's shared her, her story on the last episode. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to the last episode. So Rebecca, you were telling them your story. And then I was driving down the road one day and this baby blue pickup truck drove by. And the passenger had his arm sticking out to where all I could see was like from here down and the hand was just hanging. Mm -hmm. And I just went into a full on PTSD episode, you know, I was just, again, just freaked out. And, and it, it just sort of like things like that would happen. And I'm just like, what was that? You know, there is a ceremony done in satanic cults where they cut off at the middle of the forearm, the sacrifice and let that hand dry for a year, but they put a big candle in it. So that obviously when the, the corpse, the, when, the, when the, the hand dries, it, it clenches the candle. And then the next year, the next year they, the, somebody carries that hand with the candle lit, you know, and that's part of some ceremony or something. I was like, oh my God. I had no direct memory of that. I just had the symptom of being absolutely terrified anytime I would see an arm from the mid forearm, even my own. Yeah, that is uh, highly unusual to say the least. I'm not the only person speaking out about this. Um, as you know, as my friend Eric, that I've told you that I still live with the fear of being um, persecuted and even assassinated mm -hmm. for telling my story, mm -hmm. but it's very important that it, this story be told, not just my story, but this story that, that this stuff is going on and it would be the people that you would least expect, right? My dad was a yeah. minister, loving, caring, kind, gentle soul, great dad, you know, outwardly, yeah, we did look like the perfect family. Rebecca, why would a minister, what would be the benefit of having a minister in the satanic cult? Oh, yeah. Well, often 
the, the person heading up the satanic cult is a minister because they have the keys to the church. And satanic cults love to do ceremonies desecrating God, Jesus, Christianity. Um, the saying goes, everything that's good is bad and everything that's bad is good. So they do ceremonies in the church to desecrate Christian um, beliefs and um, ceremonies. So they kind of do like an opposite, right? So um, my worst nights of flashbacks and PTSD and, and just total meltdown were always on satanic holidays. The worst one for me, like, like what? Easter. Easter's always been the worst one for me. Why is that I, a satanic holiday? Because they're trying to desecrate Christian traditions, Christian beliefs. Hmm. What's bad is good. What's good is bad. Okay. They, they do the opposite. Um, I still don't know specifically what the ceremony is on Easter, but I remember one year I was, I couldn't even help myself. I was underneath my dining room table, just shaking and rocking myself and uh, just whimpering and sobbing. And this went on for a long time. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, those are, um, and I didn't even know that the, the nights that I was having such a hard time that those were satanic holidays until much later. Now, how did you get into some type of, of therapy or some type of help? Well, I was in therapy when the memories started to come back because I was going through a really deep, dark suicidal depression. And um, she wasn't a very good therapist, but it was through the Indian hospital and it was all I could afford because it was free. Um, You're what, half Native American? I am. Wow. Yeah. My dad cool. was Alaska, Alaska Native. Cool. And so I made it through my first year of medical school. I go, I made it through, but not very well. <laughs> I didn't do very well. And understandable. <laughs> <laughs> after that, after that um, wonderful dean of the medical school told me I could get a leave of absence, I pushed through and made it through the whole first year. Um, and then I was in such bad shape that um, my sister called me one night and I just said, I don't know why I'm here. Like, I don't see the point. Um, at that point I had somewhere I had read or heard something that like satanic ritual abuse. Oh, it takes like 50 years of therapy to recover from that. I'm like, so I'm going to be 81. <laughs> like, I was like, Oh, it's just not worth it. I'm like, okay, you know, 50 more years of this abject misery. And then, you know, at 81, what do I have? A few years left, you know, to have a good life. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. And I had no friends, no boyfriend, no children, you know, no reason to stay. So and did you say, I don't know why I'm here? Or did your sister? Who, who was I said it to said? her. Okay. So she called my mom, my mom called my older brother, and he said to her, you get on a the next flight to Albuquerque and you don't leave until you get her into a hospital because his former sister-in-law had, he said, she said the exact same words just before she hung herself. Oh, geez. She died. And, so and your, your brother and sister can corroborate some of this 
sexual Correct. abuse, right? Like what? Correct. They both were eyewitness to it. My younger brother and my older sister. Yeah. 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 They have. Um, yeah, they've told me what they saw, uh, and they kind of they knew before I did. Um, yeah, but they were very kind. Nobody. They didn't tell me what they had remembered about my abuse, and they just let me stumble upon it in the whatever was the right timing for me. Yeah, your brother said something like, um, have you remembered anything else yet? Or Yeah. What? Yeah, when my dad was in prison the second time, he, he, said, he said it that way, and it, it really was striking. He said, so have you remembered anything yet? <laughs> I was like, no. I thought that was a weird question, you know, and I, I, you know, I tell my story because I want people to, to know that no matter what you've been through, you can recover, you know, will you ever be the same again? No. If some tragedy has befallen you, that will always be a part of your history, but it doesn't have to write your future or, or, or dictate your present. It's a lot of work. But, and depending on how bad, whatever it is that's happened to you, but, you know, I look around the world and I'm like, people are going through some really, really bad shit. You know, um, there's, the, you know, as you brought up the child sex trafficking, um, domestic violence, war, um, people are going through really terrible, terrible things. Um, but I want people to have the hope that no matter what you've been through, you can get through it. You can get to a place where you are happy and free. Um, I, you know, I'll be honest. I think I'll probably be still healing from this till the day I die. Sure. I'm not perfectly healed. As you know, when we talk, um, there are just parts of each week that are difficult right now because I am working to get my story out there and it's not easy. And it brings up... <clears throat> you know, all that programming about never speaking about this. And, and again, just, I know I've said this many times to you, but you are a really brave soul. And in fact, so much so that Rebecca inspired me. There's a large part of my story that I've never shared because it involves paranormal stuff. And uh, I was very, very reluctant to put some of that out there. So I'm because of Rebecca's inspiration, I am now writing that book. So thank you for your, your inspiration and your courage to tell your story. And, uh, you know, and yours is such another level. It's like, there's this programming that you have that if you tell your story that you're going to be, you're going to die. If you tell your story that you're going to be murdered, you know, so yours is a whole other level of courage. So thank you. Thank you for that. I, I've only just recently owned that word courage i i have courage and that it feels really good to say that because um in the last few months i've been working on you know creating this uh, a formal talk uh, about forgiveness actually and it relates so much to um my history with the satanic cult and um and sexual abuse and the ritual abuse and um but I think it's very important for um, those who are open and want to hear it to hear about 
healing and forgiveness and the power that those two things have to transform your life. Um, I'm, I'm so much a different person than when I first remembered the abuse. Um, I can't even begin to say, like, I look back at that version of me and I, I honestly, she looks two dimensional to me because, because I didn't remember much of my childhood and I certainly didn't remember any of my abuse. Um, I just had no access to all those parts of myself that held that trauma. And so when it started to come out as painful as it is, the more times that I'm willing to face that terror and that pain and that anger and that grief, the more parts of me I retrieve and the more energy I have and the more strength I have. Rebecca, you are such a great example of what, you know, human beings, some human beings can be so resilient, like to go through hell and come out. And now you're helping other people like, and, and then, and the, and the human mind, the human spirit, it, it's, it's powerful. And it's, amazing how the brain can help protect you until you're ready to start dealing with it. Then it starts like you, you tell me that it was kind of like divvying it out to you. Like here, you can take a, you can take this much of it and and you can handle that and start healing from that. It's just incredible. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, that the thing is for me, I went through so much, um, physical trauma and illness once the memory started to come out. So pretty much immediately after remembering I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I lived on coffee by day and wine by night, just trying to cope. And all this, I mean, it was just, if there was a stronger word than rage, (laughs) it was like a, um, um, like a, murderous rage that's the word i was looking for murderous rage because i literally would go into my therapy sessions and just like imagine killing my dad you know tearing him limb by from limb and stomping on him and and killing him because i was that angry mm-hmm. but holding on to that anger or even in the process of letting it go that dumps so much acid into your bloodstream into your body And as I was healing from these different memories, the traumas that were held in my body began to release. I think it's like chemicals that it releases and the emotions of rage, anger, terror, PTSD, they can tear down the body physically. And I forget what the stats are. Something like 80% of women that were sexually abused in childhood grow up to have an autoimmune disorder and I have several and I went, Oh my God, I think I'm dying because I was like losing ground every day, getting sicker. And then I had a much scarier thought right on the heels of that. And it was like, Oh my God, what if I don't die? What if I go on like this? And it was just like, Oh no, 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 I do not like, this is not living every minute. I was in like pain level of 10. Yeah. And, um, and that's when I realized that I, had to find a way to forgive my dad and the others, or it was going to literally kill me. 
I, I came close twice. <clears throat> so I went to my therapist that next week and I said, you know, I really think I need to try to forgive. And she said, okay, let's do it. And then I spent years raging and grieving, you know, it was like a layer of rage and a layer of grief and then anger and grief and anger and grief. And I just kept peeling away the layers and um, gradually getting better physically. Um, and then, and then one day I went to, um, was called an evening about the landmark forum. A friend of a friend had invited me. So I went and I thought, you know, transformation, that sounds like the name of my game. Like, let's check this out. So I took the course and um, it had a profound effect on me, um, positive. And uh, four weeks after I took that course, it was like the anger was just lifted off of me. Like I, after I think 12 years of trying, I just forgave my dad. Mm. And I wrote him a letter and I said, he was still denying what he had done to me, even though he was in prison for molesting his stepdaughter. Um, I said, even though we still disagree on what we say happened between us, I want you to know that I love you and I forgive you. And um, he wrote me back and said, those are maybe the greatest words I've ever read. I didn't hear from him again. And I was surprised because I thought, well, here's after 12 years of no contact, you know, um, I opened the door and he's excited, but I don't hear from him again. Right. Then I found out that he had terminal cancer. He had, um, he had had prostate cancer and then lung cancer and then brain, a brain tumor. Mm. And he was still in prison. So um, my sister and I and my cousin went and visited him in prison to kind of say our goodbyes. And it was, oh my God, that was the most emotionally brutal experience of my life. Um, but uh, we, we saw him and had a good visit. He had a hard time talking very well, but <clears throat> we visited. And then my sister and I decided we did not want him to die in prison. As bad as he had been, he's still our dad. We don't want him dying there because he was starving to death. I, I think the tumor made it hard for him to manage feeding himself. And I think they were, other prisoners were stealing his food or something. So. Long story short, we did get him out. Months later, we got him out and um, got him up to Alaska. I flew up there, my sister and dad and I flew up there. And the second day we were there, my dad and I were in the, the trailer because my, my sister had built herself a log home on the same property, but her original homestead was this trailer. And because she had an 11 year old son, my dad couldn't be at her address because <clears throat> he was a convicted um, sex offender. So even though at that point he couldn't have done anything, he was pretty helpless. He couldn't go to the bathroom by himself. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't really walk. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're sitting there watching this movie and, and he's getting agitated. And he's, he, when he tried to talk, he would get frustrated because he knew what he wanted to say. And he could hear that it's coming out like, all the syllables got put into a blender and they just were spit out all willy nilly. And then, and then he just like mustered something, you know, he just closed his eyes and he put his chin on his chest and then he, and he scrunched up a little bit and then they opened his eyes and he looked straight into my eyes and he said, clear as can be, honey, 
for all the pain and trauma I've caused you, can you ever forgive me? Please forgive me. I'm begging you to forgive me. And I, I looked like that, like, whoa. Because I had been told by many therapists, like, that will never happen, right? He'll never acknowledge it. He'll never, he's mentally ill. He was diagnosed as a sociopath. He's a lifelong pedophile. You know, he's never, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And so I had had to give up on any hope that he would acknowledge it, much less apologize. So I was just shocked. And I said to him, I go, dad, you know that I did forgive you. And yes, I do forgive you. And then we both started crying and I got up on my knees and put my head on his chest and we just held each other and we And I, I just, I couldn't believe that that had happened because that doesn't, just doesn't happen. Like, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and then the next day, same thing. He's trying to talk to me. And, and I just turn and just put down my book and I'm just listening to him. And he goes, Rebecca, you can help people who have been through what you've been through. I go, yeah, dad, I know. He goes, no. But you put me through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And he goes, no, you have to help people who've been through what you've been through. In that moment, I just knew that I knew he wasn't just talking about the incest. He was talking about the satanic ritual abuse. And I was like, holy moly, the man who put me through all this is telling me my life's purpose. Like, and he said it a third time, just like the day before. He said, you have to help people. I'm like, yeah, dad, I will. You know, <laughs> it took me a lot of years before I was healed enough to begin to talk about it. But, you know, that just floored me. And then another time he, he said to me over and over again, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Please tell them I'm so sorry. Please tell them I'm so sorry. I, I would like for that to be a message to all people who've been abused, you know, channeled through my father, who was by all accounts a monster, um, but who was still a human being. And when he knew he was facing death, you know, that's when he said it, but I still think he meant it. And because most people will never hear that. Um, but I do believe that when we die, I've read enough accounts of people who died and come back. And the one that really helped me forgive my dad was um, Daniel Brinkley's book, Saved by the Light. I, I know it, I've read it. <sighs> so good. So he says the first time he died, he, he was, self-professed, I was a bad man. He'd done a lot of bad things. So he said, when he died, he goes, they're right, you get a life review, but what they don't tell you is you get that life review from the receiving end of everything you put out. So he felt everything, every bad thing he had done to another person, he got to feel how they felt. And I went, hmm, my dad admitted when he was in prison, you know, he was in a sex offenders treatment program for a while. Um, before he got kicked out. But he said that he, in my 26 years in the ministry, I could have molested literally hundreds of children. Oh. So I thought, well, if, if, if just what he did to one of those caused me to be suicidal and a mess for most of my life, then I don't have to worry about him getting his just desserts. Like, 
times that by hundreds, you know, and I thought, well, that's, that's what you would call hell. <laughs> In his, his life review, he will get to feel the feelings that his victims had times a hundred or so. Wow. Yeah, however many, however, he gets to feel every rape, every murder, every, everything, uh -huh. you know, and he's on the other side now. Um, he has since passed away. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that I came to that piece um, before he died. Um, although it wouldn't have really mattered. I was going to come to peace anyway, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that he and I had that experience. Like I, I took care of him for two months before we got him into a assisted living home. And then he died a couple of years later. Um, because it, it really helped to set me free. And when I was taking care of him, I had this really strange experience. Like my boyfriend at the time, he flew up to Alaska and he and my sister took my dad out for the day. And I'd been up there probably a month or more taking care of him 24 hours a day. And whew, finally I had a, a, a reprieve, you know, I had a little time to myself and I could rest. And I thought, well, the trailer's gotten kind of messy. I think I'm going to start cleaning up. And um, I just started picking up and tidying and cleaning. And all of a sudden, I like it's it's like this. I kind of fell into this zone where I felt like I was moving in slow motion, but I was getting so much done. It was like I'm in slow motion, but everything's just getting clean like that. And I had no thoughts at all, like no thoughts. I was in this state of absolute bliss. Hmm. And there was like nothing wrong in the world anywhere. And at the time there was those horrible genocides going on in Africa. And it was really devastating to me, heart and soul, what these people were going through and like entire races were being wiped out in a day. And from that higher vantage point, wherever I, I went to, I realized like, oh, everything's fine. You know, these souls are doing their thing and these souls are doing their thing and everything's from God's perspective, everything was okay. Even though, yeah, from the human perspective, this is horrible. And I realized that all people just want to be loved. My dad just wanted to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved, no matter how awful they are. I don't know. I don't even know why that was so important for me to, to get, but yeah, everybody just wants to be loved. And, um, and if someone's really, really messed up, then they're probably going to do really bad things if they don't take ownership of it. Oh. And for me, I, I, I feel like the more I can heal, the more productive I can be, the more happy I can be, the more at peace I can be, the more effective I can be, the more loving I can be. And the world would really change if everyone took that journey to address their own wounds, which might be really, really big, maybe for some fortunate people, small. But if we all went inward and took ownership of our own stuff and worked to heal it. And I, I, I say the word forgiveness 
but really in order, like forgiveness is the pathway to true freedom, to like really transform the terrible things that have happened to us into something beautiful. Um, but on the road to get to forgiveness, it's really about self-healing, you know, allowing ourselves to feel everything that we feel and not to, um, not to edit it, not to squash it, and most especially not to judge it. I, I think in our society, we really squash and try to edit out or uh, deny the more difficult emotions. Everybody wants to just, I call it spiritual bypass. I heard that term and I, I, I like it because sometimes people wanna go, oh, I'm just gonna go to forgiveness, you know, cause I'm the spiritual person. And, um, but you can't go, you can't bypass all the anger and the rage and the hurt and the grief and the suffering. You can't just go, you know, I, I've also heard um, forgiveness is just a decision. <clears throat> and I go bullshit. Forgiveness starts with a decision, but then you better put your ass in the sling and get to work because it's, it's work. Yeah. And if you try to skip all the, the anger and the grief and all those painful emotions, then I call that just like putting a sugar coating on a pile of shit. You know, <laughs> it, it might look nice, might look like it's all sweet and nice, but underneath it's just a, still a pile of shit. You got to, <laughs> got to shovel it. <laughs> um, Rebecca, that was a powerful story about how you were able to forgive your father and speaking of forgiveness, Rebecca has a lot more to say on the subject of forgiveness and healing, so much so that for the first time in Porn Talk history, we're having back a guest for the third time in a row. So join us next week again for the final episode of Satanic Ritual Abuse with Rebecca Baines. Be sure to check out her website at standingbearhealing.com. Rebecca is a transformational healer and coach. I know she is awesome at what she does because I've used her. She's incredible. Go to standingbearhealing.com to do a consultation with Rebecca. So join us next week. And remember, you are a resilient, powerful soul. Are you struggling with porn addiction? Then schedule a free strategy call with Eric today at PowerfulEric.com or call 314-717-0377.